Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Well, I want to invite you to open up with me or turn on your phones, whatever it, uh, you're doing this morning. Jonah chapter 1 is where we're going to be uh, looking at this morning. Jonah chapter 1. You know, uh, if I could just preface and say, for those of you that are news junkies, you know, there's so much controversy regarding the book of Jonah. And uh, there was a young lady Saturday night when I was here who made mention to me that just this last June, in fact, I read the story this uh, last night uh, in Cape Cod on the East Coast, there was a lobster fisherman who was swallowed by a sperm whale. For 20 seconds, he was in the belly or the mouth of that sperm whale. His testimony, his testimony was that it was completely dark, and I thought of my family, and I said, man, I am done. So it happens today. These things uh, in the Bible that we read that so many people think that could never happen, but it's a reality. And I just, you know, I looked to the Lord and I said, thank you, Lord, for making that a reality this week because you put this message on my heart to share with these people. And so thank you, Lord, for doing that. Amen? God is good. Well, why don't we, uh, would you do me a favor and stand with me one more time and we'll look at the word of God together as we read it. Jonah chapter one. If you're a note taker this morning, I've entitled the message, Lessons from a Disobedient Life. Lessons from a Dis Disobedient Life. Verse one, we'll look at the whole chapter. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish." And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? What does that Grace FM t-shirt mean that you're wearing? And what of, and of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And then they said to him, 
What shall we do to you that the sea may become for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Notice verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we know that your word is timeless. The scripture says that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. Would you speak to us now by your spirit and through your word in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated this morning. A young pastor fresh out of seminary was preaching his very first sermon when suddenly his mind went blank. He was taught in seminary that if this ever happened, that he should simply repeat the previous point that he was making, and hopefully it would jar his memory and he'd be able to get back on track. And so before his mind had went blank, he was shouting, behold, I come quickly. But of course he tried that and repeated the phrase, but nothing happened. And so he decided to try it again, much louder this time. Behold, I come quickly. But again, nothing happened. So a third time, finally, he said it with great force. Behold, I come quickly. And even though he had said it with great force this last time, however, he was leaning over that pulpit a little bit too much, and the pulpit toppled onto the front row. And the pastor also with the pulpit landing on a little old lady that was sitting there in the front row. And as you can imagine, he was embarrassed. He was apologetic. He said to that lady, I am so sorry, man. And of course, that's when she responded, don't worry, son. It's not your fault. I should have gotten out of the way. You warned me three times that you were coming. Of course, that, the moral of the story is that we always should take heed of the warnings. And the book of Jonah here is a story of many warnings for us today. And I think that we should take heed and listen from the lesson of Jonah's life and what it teaches us this morning. As I mentioned earlier, the story of Jonah is one of the most controversial books of the Bible. So many people find it very difficult to believe that a man could be swallowed by a whale, but it happens, and it's happened many times before. And so many people say, yeah, it kind of sounds a little fishy, right? It's a little hard to swallow. 
But uh, what's interesting to me is that Jesus Christ himself, our Savior, put his stamp of approval on the life of Jonah. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 40, remember Jesus used the sign of Jonah to relate it to the greatest sign of his own deity, his own resurrection. When he told that evil and wicked generation who were looking for a sign of the messiahship of Jesus. And he said, just as Jonah the prophet was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so the Lord gives us the story of Jonah and, and makes it more palatable, palatable for us to believe. And so Jonah, as we know, received the series of straightforward commands from the Lord. Go to Nineveh, arise, and preach to the Ninevites. And the Ninevites were uh, a city in the mighty empire of the Assyrians. And this was before they would take uh, the northern kingdom of Israel captive. And they were a very wicked people. And so we could understand uh, a little bit why Jonah would not want to go and why he would proceed to put thousands of miles between him and the city that God was calling him. None of the prophets would have seen this particular task that was given to Jonah as a favorable task. In fact, if God had a room of prophets and said, you know, who wants to go to Assyria? Who wants to preach to the Ninevites? Nobody would be, oh, pick me, choose me, you know. It was not a favorable task. The Assyrians were a very wicked people. In fact, it would be equivalent to God sending John Elway to preach to Raider Nation. Go to Oakland, and then I want you to go to Los Angeles, and then finally Las Vegas, and preach to Raider Nation, you know. Uh, he would not have a, a very good response. And of course, we know that in Jonah finding a boat, he was going in a different direction. He was saying to the Lord, I'm quitting. I'm done. I'm not going to do this. I'm putting in my resignation. And Jonah would find out very quickly regarding the decisions that people make that there are very real consequences and especially the decisions that we make to disobey God's word. And Jonah had made a decision to disobey the Lord. And so this morning, I want to look with you at seven lessons. We'll look at them briefly that we can learn from willful disobedience. And this morning, if you're here and you find yourself in that place of willfully disobe disobedience to the Lord or to his will or to his word, then this message is for you. And God wants you to examine your heart, to search your heart, and like Jonah, to come to the conclusion that God's way is better than your way. God's will is better than your will. And that we need to present our lives to the Lord broken and say, my will needs to be broken to the Lord's will. Here I am, Lord, not my will, yours be done. That's what God wants for us. And if you're walking with the Lord in obedience, then maybe this message will serve as a great warning to all of us this morning when we're tempted to disobey, that we would ask ourselves, 
Who is going to be affected by my disobedience besides my own life? And those are some of the lessons that we'll look at this morning. If you're a note taker this morning, notice first of all in verses 3 and 5 that disobedience always leads down in life. Verse 3, the Bible tells us that Jonah went down to Joppa and then he went down into the boat Verse 5 tells us that he went down into the lowest parts of the ship, and then he went down or laid himself down to sleep. Verse 15 later tells us that Jonah went down into the sea when he was tossed overboard. And then verse 17, ultimately, he went down into the belly of the great fish. And so notice there's a great pattern in Jonah's life because of his disobedience, and it's a downward pattern. He's going down. And no life of disobedience is going to be greater than the life of obedience. God's will for us is to walk with Him in intimacy. In fact, I remember a quote from J. Oswald Sanders in his book, Enjoying Intimacy with God, that you and I today are as intimate with the Lord as we have chosen to be. We could choose to turn that TV off or the gaming system, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is what we're doing, and we could choose to be more intimate with the Lord as we spend time with Him in His Word or reading about Him in a book or spending time with Him in prayer. We're as close to God today as we choose to be. And Jonah here had chosen to try to flee from the presence of God, and it led him down, down, down. Now, of course, as we serve the Lord today, it's not going to be all smooth road, right? It's going to be difficult. We see that in the scriptures that many of the men and women of God in the Hebrews chapter 11, which I know you guys just studied with Pastor Ed not too long ago, you know, many of the people of God have suffered greatly, even finding themselves in the perfect will of God. I think of people like Joseph, who was sold by his brothers into slavery and taken to Egypt where he was falsely accused and thrown into jail. I think of people like Daniel who was a man of prayer and chose to pray even though the laws had been forbidden him to pray and he was thrown into the lion's den. People like Stephen, the first martyr in the book of Acts chapter 6 and 7 who was stoned to death because of his faithful preaching. Peter himself crucified upside down, Paul the Apostle, his great resume of sufferings in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and 11. And then, of course, Jesus Christ and his faithfulness and his sufferings in going to the cross for us. And I don't think for one second that any of these faithful servants of God are in heaven regretting that they were faithful. Because Paul writes to us and describes for us what awaits us in Romans 8.18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I would say to us as well. We have a glory that awaits us. Amen? No matter what we're going through this morning or will go through through the rest of our life, we have a glory in heaven that awaits us where there's no more suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more mask wearing or COVID-19 or anything else like that. 
No lines at In-N-Out Burger up in heaven, Chick-fil-A. It's going to be great. Looking forward to that. But to leave God's perfect will for anything else would be to leave it for something that is greatly inferior to God's will. And so we need to stay on the right path. Notice, secondly, this morning in verse 3, that the lesson we learn here is that favorable circumstances do not make our disobedience to God okay. The Bible tells us here that, jo- that when Jonah got to Joppa, he found a boat that was heading for the city that he desired to go to. He was heading for Tarshish, and he found a boat there. And very often, a child of God might say in their process of disobedience that, man, all the circumstances were perfect. This can't be completely wrong because everything is lining up, you know. I was thirsty. I looked to my left. There was a bar. I pulled over. I opened the door. There was a young lady. She was beautiful. We got married. You know, how could it be wrong? The circumstances were perfect. And very often we can mistakenly think that because the coincidences in life are lining up, that they make our disobedience okay, but that is not true. I remember hearing a testimony from another pastor. He was sharing with his congregation from his pulpit regarding a time that he had went to the grocery store to pick up groceries for his family. This was way back in the day when a lot of people paid cash for things and even had cash in their wallet. And uh, he gave testimony that as he paid cash for his groceries, the checker had given him more cash back than she should have. And he took it as a blessing from God. And he told his congregation, oh man, the Lord blessed me. Might as well be me. God blessed me. And we know what the right thing and the Christian thing that should have been done, he should have been honest. Because that's called thievery, right? It's called being dishonest and lacking integrity in your walk and in your life. And so he didn't do that. And of course, we know that the Bible says, thou shall not steal. And so no favorable circumstances can change our disobedience to obedience. And Jonah teaches us that, that we need to be obedient to the word of God. Notice thirdly this morning in verse 5, that God's will is determined by his word and not any so-called peace that we might have. And we find here in verse 5 of the story of Jonah that he's a picture of peace. He had gone down into the lower part of the ship and fallen asleep. And the Bible says he was in a deep sleep. The Hebrew uh, could translate that as a dead sleep. And many of us know what that is. Sometimes we're very tired spiritually, emotionally. We're exhausted physically. And anybody in our living room as the Football games are going on. It could be loud. People are cheering and roaring. And yet there's one person, right? They're dead asleep. And they're out. And they're sleeping like a baby. And sometimes as believers, we could excuse our sleep or our peace as an excuse for, you know, our disobedience being okay. Oh, but I had a peace about it. I know she's an unbeliever, we're going to get married, or we're getting a divorce, but I have a peace about it. Pastor, 
No Christian should ever have a peace about disobeying God's commands. We should always exalt the word of God over our experience or over our peace. If it's out of line with God's word, then it's disobedience. And any other excuse is self-deception. And we need to be careful about that. God's word needs to be supreme for God's will for our lives and not anything else. And yet Jonah teaches us that believers can have a peace and think that it's okay, even though they're outrightly disobedient to God's word. Notice fourthly with me in verse 3 again that disobedience always has a price. The Bible tells us that Jonah found that ship going to Tarshish and he paid the fare to board the boat. Disobedience always will have a cost. Somebody well said, and I quote, sin always takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and will cost you more than you want to spend, end quote. I love Warren Wearsby, a book that is one of my favorites of his writings. It's called Don't Lose Your Crown. It's the story of King Saul and how he lost his crown because of his disobedience. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe says, and I quote, he says, Saul began his reign in victory and ended it in humiliating defeat. He lost his character, his power, and ultimately his crown and his life. King Saul stands as a warning to all of us that no matter what our station in life may be, we cannot rebel against God and get away with it. Think about it this morning. King Saul had a great beginning but he had a horrible ending. And what that teaches us is that just because we have a good beginning, it doesn't mean we're going to have a good ending. And that's why our daily walk with the Lord, church, is important. Our devotional life, spending time in God's Word, spending time in prayer. And I know this is a church that prays. And so take advantage of those opportunities to strengthen your personal walk with the Lord because a good beginning doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a good ending. And I want all of you, as your pastor also does, I want all of you to finish well. Amen? That's a theme that has been on my heart lately. We need to finish well. Because as we look around the world today, man, things are coming to a close. And the Lord could come back at any moment. He could come back before the Cowboys win the Super Bowl this year. Dallas Cowboys. All right, let's move on. Didn't get any amens there. We need to be careful. We need to be careful with even the smallest sins, church. Sometimes we think, oh man, this, this small sin that I'm involved in is not going to affect anybody. It's not going to affect my success or my effectiveness in my ministry. But think again. Solomon wrote wonderfully, if you're a note taker this morning, in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1, Solomon said this. He says, as dead flies cause the perfumer's ointment to stink, so also does a little foolishness to one's reputation of wisdom and honor. I love that. Amen. How many of us would ever give a perfume bottle as a gift with a couple dead flies in it? That gift would not be received. 
nor is the Lord pleased with our lives when we're harboring the littlest sins. They stink up our testimony. The Apostle Paul, remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 14, says that God through us is diffusing the, the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ in every place. In other words, you and I as Christians, we're like God's perfume bottles. And he is spraying the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ through you and I in every place. But how fragrant is that perfume when we're harboring those little sins in our life? They could stink up our testimony, and so we need to be careful with even the smallest things. Notice fifthly in verse 4 and 5 this morning that our obedience, or disobedience rather, unfavorably affects other people. Our disobedience unfavorably affects other people. Notice that in verse 4 and 5 here that Jonah's disobedience had a far-reaching effect, not only on his own life, but on the sailors who were sailing with him. God had brought a storm to, to you know, put a wrench in Jonah's spokes, so to speak, in the direction that he had chosen, the choices that he had made. And it was affecting the sailors as well. It not only affected their lives, they were fearing for their lives. It affected their eternal destiny if they would have, you know, been harmed, but they were throwing the cargo overboard. It affected them financially. And Jonah's disobedience wasn't only affecting his own life, it was affecting others. I think of the life of Achan, the sin of Achan. In Joshua chapter 7, you recall the story when Joshua was leading the children of Israel over the promised land. They came to the walls of Jericho, the city of Jericho. And this was the first victory that God would give the nation of Israel. And he told Joshua specifically that the plunder that you get from Jericho is to be consecrated to the Lord. It was the first fruits of many victories that God would give them as they, as they conquered the land. But God said, don't take any of the plunder. It's mine. Consecrate it to me. But the rest of the fruit, the, from the rest of the victories, you can have. But what happened to Achan? He went in there. He went into the city of Jericho. He saw a wedge of gold and some garments of clothing, some Vans tennis shoes, and he took them. He stole them. And he tried to hide them under his tent, thinking that, it, that nobody else would be affected, nobody else would know about it, but God knew. And in the next battle, 36 men lost their lives because of Jonah's, I'm sorry, because of Achan's disobedience. Somebody's father, somebody's uncle, somebody's brother, somebody's son had lost their life because of one man's disobedience. And what this teaches us is that our sin and Jonah's sin never just affects ourselves, but it, it could affect innocent people. And so we need to be careful. Notice sixthly this morning in verse 10 that our disobedience harms our Christian witness before an unbelieving world. In verse 6, the Bible tells us that the captain of the ship went down to wake Jonah up from his sleep and to call upon him to call upon his God that perhaps his God would rescue them from that great storm. And it's very sad when an unbeliever 
has to tell a believer to act spiritually in a time of crisis. And yet that's what was happening in the story of Jonah. Jonah was fast asleep. And it's a picture to me of a believer who is spiritually asleep in the days that we're living in. A day when the world needs the witness of a church that is set apart to the Lord. And yet we find ourselves involved in things that have nothing to do with God. In fact, they have everything to do with ungodliness and unholiness and unrighteousness. When the world needs to see a church that has been changed, lives that have been changed. And yet Jonah found himself asleep. And I exhort you this morning, don't fall asleep in this world. The world needs to see your changed life. They need to hear your words of life. As one great scholar once said, this generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of sinners. And I believe that. We're responsible for our circle of friends that don't know the Lord. Where you work or where you frequent your coffee shop, your marketplace where you shop. If you know an unbeliever, man, we're responsible for that life to be a witness to them. But it's interesting because of Jonah's disobedience, it harmed his Christian witness. He had a perfect opportunity to share about the one true God, but he didn't. His disobedience had shut his mouth from sharing the testimony of God's goodness. And so Jonah's disobedience makes our witness to the world ineffective. And it teaches us that this morning. Notice seventh and lastly, that willful disobedience hinders our prayer life. The Bible tells us in verse six that the captain came to Jonah to call upon him, to call upon his God, but there's no record in the text that Jonah ever prayed. We don't find him praying until later on when he's in the belly of the great fish. But he, there's no record here. Why? Because he wasn't willing and ready to repent of his sin. He still was in his place of disobedience. And he knows that he's not going to talk to a God who's not going to listen to him when his heart is not right, when he's holding on to his rebellious heart and he's disobeying the Lord. And so these sailors, discovering that the storm had come because of Jonah's disobedience, they ask him, what shall we do? And Jonah says what? Throw me overboard. Jonah didn't care for their life. In fact, the sailors tried to sail back to shore but couldn't because of the storm. They cared for Jonah's life more than he did for theirs. And so what happened? They ended up having no other conclusion but to throw Jonah over. And of course, Jonah needed to be handed over to death. And they kind of said, okay, Lord, he's yours. They even prayed to the Lord, don't hold this innocent man's life against us. You're the one who sent the storm because of his disobedience. And so we're giving him to you. We're throwing him into the ocean. 
And basically, that's what we need to do. We need to surrender. We need to surrender and die to our own will and surrender to the Lord's will. And it's not until this fish swallows him that we find Jonah praying finally in chapter 2, verse 1. He prays finally, and it's a beautiful prayer uh, in chapter 2. And then chapter 3, we find out again, because Jonah surrenders in the belly of the whale, that the whale is spoken to by God. God speaks to the whale, and the whale barfs Jonah on the beach. And the Bible says in chapter 3, verse 1, that God speaks to Jonah a second time. And what I love about our God, church, is that he's a God of second chances. Aren't you glad that our God gives us a second chance when we're disobedient? He gives us a fourth chance, a fifth chance, a 500th chance, a million chances. That's who God is. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. As Lamentations chapter 3 tells us that the mercies of God are new every morning because we fail Him constantly. His mercy and His grace is sufficient for us. And so whatever we're going through, we need to fall upon His grace, fall upon His mercy because it is more than enough for us to handle. I love this about our Lord. Ellen Redpath writing upon this book of Jonah, he writes across the book a theme which says this, Lord, great is my stubbornness, but greater still is your faithfulness. Amen. A lot of us could relate to that. I know I can. I could get stubborn and, and I could, you know, want my own will, my own ways. And sometimes we're not listening to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit that, that's telling us, not your way, David, follow my way. Don't go that direction. Many times, you know, we head in that direction. I love uh, the hymn that was written in the 1800s by a gentleman by the name of Robert Robinson. I know you sing it here. By the, at the age of 22, Robert Robinson wrote that hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. In particular, I'm blessed by that particular verse that says, let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. He says, here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I love it. Because it speaks to my heart. It speaks to, to us as, as believers this morning how there, there's a wrestling, there's a war going on for our soul, for our heart. The world calls out to us, our flesh desires to be pleased that we need to crucify daily by faith and nail it to the cross with its passions and desires, Paul says in Galatians 5. And we need to walk in the Spirit we need to pray as David prayed in Psalm 139:23. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I love a, a quote by another author, J. Edwin Orr. He wrote a book about uh, this very surrender. 
And he quotes this verse, Psalm 139, 23, search me, O God. And he says, I never truly understand, understood the, the depth of that verse until I heard it translated in the Scandinavian language where they translate, search me, O God, and know my heart. It says, ransack me, O God. We know the difference between just a general search and a ransacking, amen? Turn over my heart. Turn over every area of my life. And if there's anything that dishonors you, Lord, make it known to me that I might confess it and repent of it. And that's what Jonah did. And that's what we need to do every day as we present our lives unto the Lord as a living sacrifice that desires to be holy in it. And by the way, holiness starts with a desire. If you never desire holiness, then I would imagine you're never going to achieve that continual growth in your life if you're looking for something else other than holiness. It needs to be a desire in our hearts first. And God is able to give us the will and the desire to do those things that are pleasing unto Him. Amen? I pray that we all finish well this morning. And if we're on the wrong path this morning, Listen, God hasn't forgotten about you. In other words, in fact, he's arranging the circumstances as he did for Jonah to get your attention. He knows your address. He has the GPS right where you are. He knows your phone number, your address. He sees everything that you see and everything that you think. And he is for you. He's, tr he's trying to bring you back in. And that's his desire for you. He wants your full surrender. And if you need to do that this morning, there's going to be pastors here at the front, leaders that would pray for you. If you want to respond to this sermon, if it's hitting you where it needs to hit you in your heart, in your mind, in your intellect, in your deepest parts, then you respond to the Lord and to his voice as he's speaking to you. Right where you're seated, you could surrender afresh to the Lord and say, Lord, I surrender. Let me pray for you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in your word together. We thank you, Lord, that you know everything about us, even greater than we know our own heart. Lord, you're greater than our heart. And Lord, we're men and women of passion, of intellect, and of experiences. Many of us have learned from our experiences that the life of disobedience is a life of misery and difficulty. Lord, we know that your will for us is narrow. The way to heaven is narrow. And the Bible says it is also difficult. But far more difficult is the way of disobedience. And so lead us on this path, Father. Guide us, direct us. May our ears, our heart be ever sensitive to the voice of your Holy Spirit as you speak to us. May you use our lives through this second chance, third chance, or 500th chance, Lord. Use our lives, sharpen us as instruments in your hands so that we could be effective tools for you in bringing the gospel to this generation. Bless this church. Bless Pastor Ed and his family, his staff, all the servants here. Watch over them and all the missionaries, Lord, all around the globe. Father, your church all around this globe. Lord, awaken us to, to our responsibility to take the gospel to the whole world. 
and to teach people about you, Father. We bless you. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your word this morning. May we respond in obedience to your word and to the work of your Holy Spirit as you've spoken to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. And so that whoever is you this morning, just call upon him. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus Christ died personally for you. He was buried and then rose again three days later. He's calling you to himself this morning. And so you come. If you need prayer this morning or right where you are, just surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, change my life. I want to live for you from this day forward. I don't want to go back. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me to say no to sin, no to the world, and yes to your will and to your way. And God will meet you right where you are. Why don't we stand this morning and we'll finish with a song. Thank you for your time this morning. It's been a blessing being with you guys this week. God bless you guys. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.